Yeah. <laughs> Schmooze is home. How's the pooch? We put down money on a second one. Really? Did you get the undercoating? Yep. It's still in the factory and uh, still in the oven. Um, we'll probably see what c- kind of undercoating we require. Did you go for the same model or are you getting a different brand? We actually got the same model. However, we managed to get uh, – we've downsized. There are actually two models. There is the full size and the mini, mm-hmm. and this one will be a mini. <laughs> really? Yes. Why the mini? Because we think it would look funnier. <laughs> two of them side by side? Yeah, end of story. So we have schmooze and it'll be schmooze and squirt. Squirt? Yes. Very good. So she'll be a, a white miniature bull terrier, probably arriving around Christmas. How much How much does a, a dog cost these days? Uh, this particular one is going to be two grand plus tax. Two grand plus tax. Yes. That's not bad at all, if I understand correctly. It is cheaper than a child. In the long run, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what my father did, as a matter of fact, uh, when it came to the whole issue of... Uh, you know, the costs associated with uh, caring for a, uh, a dog, they actually b- got it a mutual fund, almost like an RESP. <laughs> what a great idea. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not reflect necessarily, anyway, the views of their employers. I am self-employed. Michael is not. I don't have to worry about this stuff. You keep rubbing this in. My wife keeps rubbing in the fact that I don't have a job. That's what she keeps saying. <laughs> From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. War of the Morons, how an Alabama town thought the aliens were invading courtesy of an H.G. Wells-like radio promo. A sign of the times, why Sam the Record Man's iconic neon won't return to Canada's longest street. Samsung, watch out, the inventor of the Android operating system is building its own smartwatch. Why you don't want to make adult entertainment if you've been in a relationship with a North Korean dictator. Plus, Iron Maiden beer is finally coming to Canada. We also launch a new website, it's very nice. And we'll tell you how you can watch every single internet cat video in just one sitting. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. So, right out of the gate here, something right out of War of the Worlds. I love this story. Uh, It just goes to show you that Alabama perhaps needs a little bit of new blood. We all remember the story, I'm sure we all remember the story, of Orson Welles and his very famous War of the Worlds broadcast in 1938. Ladies and gentlemen, this is terrific. This end of the thing is beginning to flake off. The top is beginning to rotate like a screw and the thing must be hollow. Thousands of people, despite disclaimers, were duped into thinking that the Martians had actually landed. And it was a huge thing, and uh, the CBS radio network had to uh, had to apologize for it. Listen, we, we told you this was a radio play. I'm sorry you came in late, and I'm sorry you thought that the death rays in the New Jersey swamp were actually real. What fascinated me, though, about the way they went about it is they didn't just, you know, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon start a, a War of the World show where the aliens had taken over. They started the show like it was a regular big band variety show, and they kept doing news break interruptions. We take you now to the Meridian Mer- Room in the Hotel Park. Plaza in downtown New York, where you will be entertained by the music of Raymond Raquello and his orchestra. 
you know, they're playing the music, and then we entered this program for an important bulletin, blah, 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 blah. There is a radio station in Tuscumbria, Alabama. I have no idea where Tuscumbria, Alabama is. It's called Star 94.9. They had uh, ratings issues, and as when radio stations have rating issues, what you do is you change format. You try and find something that's a little bit more appealing to your audience. So the plan was to build all kinds of suspense for the format flip by running a series of on-air promos saying that, oh, aliens have taken over the radio station, something's going to happen, something wonderful, We're, they're just trying to figure out what humans like. And that was essentially it. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, Kang and Kodos came in, decided they wanted to change the music policy, and, and that was it. And we would find out what would happen on Thursday or Friday, whatever it was. Somehow that morphed into... Law enforcement officials were besieged with phone calls from frightened parents just in case they stepped up patrols around the schools. Absenteeism spiked. Needless to say, the aliens did not land, nor did any bombs go off in area schools. Flummox parents are now blaming the radio station for staging a terrible hoax, calling it a bad, calling it bad taste in an era where the heightened sensitivity to school violence. Rickman said, and Rickman being the guy behind it, uh, that uh, none of the promotions even remotely hint that the schools are going to be attacked and there's no mention of bombs. I'm going to read a comment that I got on my blog for this. Uh, You're talking about Alabama, land of some of the most amazingly stupid people on this planet. They value cars going fast around a track more than teaching their kids. They value football more than education. Roll Tide! They value an uneducated population just smart enough to fill out the forms and push the buttons, but not smart enough to realize how they are being screwed. This is the South, and I am not proud of this. Let's pick some cotton, y'all. Yeah, that last little bit. We didn't, we didn't need that last little bit. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, and I, well, anyway, uh, the views expressed on Geeks and Beats are not necessarily those of the hosts or their employers. Indeed. Uh, one of the first things you did upon moving to Toronto in 1986 was head here. Yes, Sam the Record Man. Yeah. I mean, once I landed, this was October 1986, one of the first things I did, because I was living with my cousin and I needed uh, some space, so one of the first things I did was I went down to Young Street to see the sights. And I remember the moment that I first saw those spinning neon records on the front of Sam the Record Man. And at that moment, I realized, I had felt that I had really kind of arrived And a lot of people will consider those spinning records to be iconic symbols of downtown Toronto. I mean, they were there for years. Um, Then when Sam went bankrupt and the building was sold and Ryerson tore it down, they put these spinning records into storage. Now, over the past week, though, the city of Toronto is going to allow uh, Ryerson to get get out of their obligation to put them back up on the wall when they knew damn well that that was what they were supposed to do in the first place. Right. That was the original agreement. You can have the building, you can zone it for such and such a purpose, but because we've designated these um, these signs to be his, of, of historical interest, you have to take good care of them. And when you finish your building, you have to put them up someplace. In the past week, they decided, no, uh, we can't do it because of a number of reasons. First of all, uh, there aren't that many people who know how to run neon lights like that anymore. There's like 800 lights on it, too. Yeah, yeah. And if anything breaks, there's all kinds of toxic substances like mercury that's involved. So they've decided that uh, the city of Toronto has decided that Ryerson has some very good reasons for not wanting to put these signs back up. They're going to allow them to stay in storage. And their fate is is uncertain. I say 
that they be shipped off to the new National Music Center, which is under construction in Calgary right now. Right. You're involved in that. I am involved in that. This is a 160,000-square-foot building over five stories, and it's going to be telling the story of all things musical and Canadian. And I can't think of a better place than, than these things. It's going to be, they'll, they'll be restored. They'll be put in a place of, of honor and uh, people will recognize them for what they are. I, I still would prefer to see them back where they were, largely because when they agreed, I think they got, didn't they not get a major deal with the city to take over all of that property in the first place? Oh, they did. Yes. Yes, they did. Right. So part of that deal was to make that happen, put them back up. You you can go back, whether it be SCTV doing a sketch about the little boy coming to the big city or what have you, those two spinning discs figure prominently in Canadian culture, generally speaking. You've got an obligation. You've got a deal. I remember watching Academy Performance on CTV on Saturday nights, and they did Going Down the Road. And uh, the guys from the Maritimes came to Toronto, and they're on Young Street. And what do you see? The spinning records. So, yeah, I think something needs to be done with them. What they're going to do is they're going to put something, embed something in the sidewalk that commemorates where the signs used to be, but they're, they're not going to put them up. Cut the cord and go to geeksandbeats.com anytime. You'll get the latest episode and links to the stories the boys are talking about. Geeksandbeats.com, also available on 8-track and cassette. During the meanwhile, uh, we've got a word that uh, Google actually, about this time last year, bought a smartwatch company. So uh, Samsung's got uh, some pretty serious competition on their hands. Would you buy a smartphone watch? We've had this conversation before. First of all, I've got the dainty wrists. It's not going to work for me. I know. But we're at the point now where you're not going to have to charge it every single night. Okay. And it's going to be a second screen for your phone so that you can keep the phone in the briefcase and you can just look and go, you know what? I don't need to respond to Hainsworth's tweet. That's the 1600th message he sent me. I think it's going to have to be like Google Glass in the sense that I didn't get it until I actually used it. Um, but at, at the moment I treat watches as, as jewelry and I don't want a piece of electronics on my, on my wrist. I mean, I, I, I went through that phase in the seventies when I had my Texas Instruments LED watch. That was a rockin' watch. It was, it was expensive. I think, uh, I think I spent $35 for one of those things back in 1978 and that was a fortune. Wim is the name of the company that we're talking about here. Wim Labs, based out of uh, Los Altos, uh, California. And uh, they're actually working on an Android-based platform tailored specifically to this experience in the first place. So it's not just a, a smartphone add-on, but it's one that's going to be significantly integrated into the Android operating system. Okay, now I'm looking at the one graphic here where it's listening. You see a graphic of the watch listening. Now that might be interesting for people who are in musical environments and want to identify the music that they're hearing. That, okay, that'd be kind of cool if you could just look down at your wrist and you would get the name of the song and the artist that's playing. Exactly. But what we're looking at right here are various Wim watch faces, including uh, one that will give you the temperature, the high and the low for the day in the city in which you are. Uh, another one has a, a neat little revolving uh, background associated to it. And then you've got this thing here for people who are colorblind. Mm. Um, but uh, by and large, it sounds like it's going to, the biggest issue for me would really be the size of the face itself. Because I, I know people who have watches where, you know, they basically, you could brain somebody hitting someone with one of these watches, and I don't want that to be on my wrist. Well, see, now, I was looking at a Chopard the other day. Oh, what? It's a very fine uh, Swiss watch. And, uh, you know, it, it was heavy, and I like the fact that it has heft. 
See, we're, we're not going to agree on this. I'm going to have to wait until I get one or I get a chance to use one, and I'll tell you whether or not it's, 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 it's a failure. What's interesting to note, though, is that this is yet another way to be nickeled and dimed by this industry. You know, when we first started talking about 99-cent apps, like, oh, well, you know, it's 99 cents. It's no big deal. Yeah, but that's going to add up over time. Similarly, the uh, Win uh, Labs has launched their own micro-app store specifically for this device. So you may find yourself buying additional apps that otherwise you probably wouldn't have. Oh, and that doesn't happen already? Yeah, that's a good point. Speaking of uh, time ticking away. Uh, BlackBerry apparently accidentally put uh, their uh, BBM app page up on the web uh, for Android and iPhone users. Oops. Uh, BBM chat is, is, is one of the only things that's keeping people in the BBM ecosystem. While only 20 million people use BBM, sorry, 50 million use BBM, 200 million people are using WhatsApp which is cross-platform, does provide all the BlackBerry BBM-style features, and you don't have to have a BlackBerry for it to work. I tell you, I'm a big fan of WhatsApp. Um, I have uh, friends in Singapore, and that's how we communicate. It's brilliant. I mean, we can send links back and forth. We can send pictures back and forth. We can send video back and forth. It's terrific, and it's free. So the question is, is is BlackBerry basically burning the furniture to heat the house by looking at spinning off BBM as a whole separate company when it's one of the few reasons why people buy a BlackBerry in the first place. Yeah, I don't know. I I worry about them. I, you know, I have a Q10 here and it's a Q10. I don't mind it. It's a good phone. Yeah. Uh, But uh, it's not going to, you know, replace, uh, you know, my iPhone. How do you like the keyboard on it? I have an iPhone, so it's, you know, it's, you're not accustomed to actually hitting a key and feeling it? No, not at all. Not at all. So it doesn't, doesn't make any difference. And, you know, I've got such a short attention span when it comes to phones. I have to be able to uh, understand how it works immediately. Like, for example, here, this is a, uh, a Lumia 920. Great Windows phone. It's a fantastic Windows phone. But uh, there is a learning curve here. And, 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 you know, I just take a little time to uh, to get used to it. How much is Windows and Nokia paying to have you talk about this? Uh, nothing. That was a freebie. I did speak at one of their events a while back. You sh- you showed me that phone. It's a hefty phone. Speaking of braining somebody by hitting them with it, you could actually cause some serious damage with this thing. But uh, you know, it's 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 a neat phone, and it has one of these uh, these conductive charging uh, devices. So I don't plug it into anything. I just put it on a little cradle. And uh, it charges. If the new iPhone 5 doesn't have inductive charging and uh, RC, uh, um, RFID? NFC. NFC, thank you. Forget about it. I don't know. You've got to have those two features in a new phone if you're still going to be considered innovative. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, it will have a fingerprint reader, though. Watch that. Really? I, I'm not convinced of that. Why do you think, just because they've got a patent for the ability to read fingerprints by touching the screen, that they'll actually incorporate that? I have some people who uh, say they have really good sources inside Apple, and they say that, yes, there will be a fingerprint reader. You know what? Now that I think about it, the, one of the biggest issues right now that law enforcement is dealing with is... iPhone theft. People stealing your iPhone right out of your hand as you're walking through the park. If that phone could not even function unless you had the right thumbprint, then I can imagine either thefts would go down dramatically or uh, thumb thefts would go up. Well, no, because apparently the thumb has to be living. There has to be heat coming from the thumb before it reads. Really? Yes. That's uh, one of the things that I heard, too. 
rub, rub, rub. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to breathe on the severed thumb or put it in the microwave or something uh, before it would work. I, <laughs> that's honest to God, I heard that. I'm starting to wonder where your sources are. Yeah, they're 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 unsavory and, at times. So you think that yes, we are in fact getting fingerprint recognition on the next iPhone because it th- you're like nine days away. Yeah, I think we are, but you know I don't think we're getting NFC, and the reason I say that is because Apple tends to come in after a number of other companies have already tried and failed or tried to, and done something mediocre. So we haven't seen widespread adoption of NFC yet, near-field communication. So the next iteration, yes. I don't know if it's going to have it in this this one. Every Samsung Galaxy-based smartphone now has NFC. Do they? The one thing that's missing is the point-of-sale terminal. And Apple's got a patent on point-of-sale terminals, as a matter of fact. And so I would suspect that this would be a simultaneous rollout. So there is some credence to your thought that you're not going to get NFC this time around because we haven't heard a thing about those terminals since they got the patent about uh, two years ago. And this isn't cross-platform either. So you would have to make a choice uh, to either have the, uh, the, 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 the current standard in NFC point-of-sale terminals uh, only or also have an Apple point-of-sale terminal for their NFC, which is different. During the meanwhile, uh, Kim Jong-un has executed his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend. And when we say executed, we literally mean he, he had her off. Machine gun firing squad. And not just her, but a, a group of, of musicians. Yeah, almost exactly years ago, uh, August 29th, um, I posted something about this woman named Hyung Song-wool. Now, she's a North Korean singer. She uh, apparently had been involved with Kim Jong-un at some point, at some level. There were rumors that uh, they had even become, they had even been married. Uh, that turned out not to be true. But anyway, she was a, she was a big singer in North Korea, and she had uh, a hit called Excellent Horse-Like Lady. <laughs> Is that a, a lost in translation issue, or did they really name it that? That was the name of the song. You Listen, I have been 15 feet inside North Korea. That was deep enough. It is a wacko country. 15 feet? Yes. I was at the DMZ, and you can stand inside some of the buildings that are right along the border. And if you go on one side of a table, on one side of a conference table, you're actually in North Korea. If you want to go any deeper, you have to go to the south, hop a plane, fly to Beijing, and then take a train to reach the other side. Wow. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. So anyway, this woman was uh, and her band, and there were 11 other people in her band. Uh, they were machine gun executed sometime in August, allegedly for making porn, allegedly for selling sex tapes of themselves, which is pretty suspect because, first of all, that's, that's an awfully stiff fine for making porn. Oh, but in that part of the world, I don't think so. Have you been to South Korea? No, clearly not. And you've been 15 feet into the demilitarized zone, and you've got some bizarre, bizarre gifts that you brought back from there. Yes, I do have some ginger soju, which is uh, just absolutely terrible. Um, Next time you're over there, I'm going to make you drink some. You have to have some. If you can, yeah, you're going to have some. Anyway, um, so the, the, the North, you know, tolerates a certain amount of decadence. And I can't imagine 12 people being machine gunned down for, for making porn. 
I mean, if they were saying, you know, unpatriotic things about the country, if they were making disparaging remarks about uh, great leader and dear leader and current leader, whatever his title is. Yes, all that sort of stuff. But to have the guy, uh, you know, off 12 people of a band for making homemade porn, that seems a bit extreme. So something something else is is is, is afoot here. Yeah, it's a good thing that Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee don't spend any time in that part of the world, huh? Or, or you know, Miley Cyrus or, or uh, you know, any of the Kardashians. You are all over this Miley Cyrus situation, aren't you? She is the product of a, of a hyper-sexualized, male-dominated recording industry. And uh, the only way anybody can get any kind of attention these days is to do something shocking and the lower more base it is the more shocking it is the more attention it gets we knew going into this that you have to sort of kick it up a notch every single time that there's got to be something that's a little more risque than the last time but i don't know really how risque she really was with this whole thing largely because what isn't blurred lines basically they recreated blurred lines on tv see that's the whole thing and blurred lines has its own problems because it's it's a horribly sexist song it has been described as quote-unquote rapey have you ever listened to the words i tell you if you it, listen uh let's call them up what are you new on this google machine here hang on let me get it for you one moment please Okay, now he was close. Tried to domesticate you, but you're an animal, baby. It's in your nature. Let me liberate you. You don't need no papers. Your man is not your maker. You know, it, it's, uh, anyway. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I mean, the whole thing is, is, is hugely sexist. And so the premise that they did a recreation of this uh, for the Video Music Awards over there doesn't seem to be particularly surprising that they recreated it on stage. So no. why are we all surprised and upset about this? We have to descend to lower and lower levels for shock. I mean, it was a big deal when Britney kissed Madonna. Mm -hmm. I say it's like, we're not going to be talking about you in five years, sweetie. So, you know, get it while you can Time now for Ask Alan Anything. Well, we don't have any questions from uh, the listeners since everyone's been on summer hiatus, uh, including you and me. Uh, but uh, I thought we'd use this opportunity to ask you, what the heck is going on with this new fee for touring foreign musicians? There is something, there's a fee that you have to apply for if you are a foreign musician touring through Canada. And it has been around forever, and it's $150, and it's a one-time fee. Now, the government, or some people will say the Harper government, wants to initiate an additional fee of $275, a processing fee. And this fee has to be paid every single time a foreign band wants to play a show in Canada. It's not a one-time only thing. Every show comes with this particular fee. So there's a list of exemptions about a, a, a mile long, and it's created tremendous confusion. It's also created this sense that uh, outside of Canada is that foreign musicians stay away because we're going to nickel and dime you to death. It's going to be too expensive to tour Canada. And uh, the excuse that we're getting is that, listen, this fee has always existed. It's just that the taxpayers have eaten it up until now. We're just simply passing it along to the people who should be paying it. And besides, what this will do is give Canadian artists more opportunities 
to, to play. Uh, so this is a protectionist measure. And the entire music industry, including the Canadian Independent Music Association, who you would think uh, would be in favor of something that would protect their members on, on some sort of level, is come out against it. And for good reason, because it's confusing and because they say, look, Canada produces some of the best musicians in the world. We don't need this kind of bullshit protect- protectionism. Uh, so let's uh, let's just get it out of the way. Write your MP, call your MP, and tell them that this is a bad idea. I agree. But is it really true? Like when you when Bono comes to town, you think he's going to say, well, you know what? Forget Canada because I don't want to drop a couple of extra hundred bucks. Ah, see, it's. That's one of the exemptions. If you're playing a big arena or a big stadium, you don't have to pay it. The only place that it really hits are small club owners, small venues that may or may not always have live music. So it, it, it does, has nothing to do with large superstar acts. They're exempt. It's the small guys that get hit. So you don't buy into the idea that this has been out there all this time and it's just we're more transparent about it. We are not being transparent about it at all. This this is a this is a a a, a cash grab from a uh, government bereft of new ideas. Speaking of cash grab, time now for the Geeks and Beats update. All right, go. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a G and B news update. We have to thank uh, our latest co-producer on the big show, season two premiere, as a matter of fact. Help make this all possible and, quite frankly, might be to blame for all the Google Hangout crashes. Okay. <laughs> Who's that? His name is Stephen McDermott. Stephen, we appreciate uh, your contribution to the big show to make that possible. You are now officially a co-producer of Geeks and Beats. You may put it on your resume, put it on your business card. As a matter of fact, he might be looking to do something a little bit more with us. He's saying, you know what, I, I, I don't mind giving you the 25 bucks to get the co-producer credit, but I'd really like to give you a, a metric load of money. A metric ass load? Well, you don't want to go imperial at this point. Okay. Yeah, you, you can never get the containers to fill properly. Well, this is true, and that would make us one of the, uh, you know, there are only three countries on the entire planet that haven't switched to the metric system. Can you name them? Uh, the United States. And aren't the two like banana republics or something? They're not very popular countries. One is Liberia. The other one is Myanmar. <laughs> yes, particularly the latter. So uh, Stephen is offering to back up the truck, but we got to figure out a way to um, more creatively uh, cash in on this uh, experience. Yes, we will. Promise. All right. Uh, so if you would like to join us uh, and uh, be a co-producer of The Big Show, go to geeksandbeats.com uh, slash uh, donate or just go to the main website. Uh, you can go there and uh, we'll figure it all out for you. Yes. Meantime, uh, this is an update uh, from a season one uh, episode in which you had reported that Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden now has a beer. Yes. It's now available in Canada. It is uh, available in Canada. There have been inquiries from 184 countries. It is an unqualified success. Just let me just... I'm going to show you something here just to give you an example of uh, an indication of exactly how popular this beer could be in Canada. When I wrote about it uh, back on August the 26th, it got 74 tweets and 204 likes. And that's an awful lot of beer. I have some comments. Chris says, I just checked with the Manitoba Liquor Commission, and while they will be getting it, the stores won't likely have it until October. 
Uh, I am Super Dan from Alberta. Just spoke with one of the guys from Pure Global who will be distributing them in uh, distributing the beer in Alberta, BC, and Saskatchewan. And they also confirm October availability. Uh, when will this be available in Ontario? Don't know. But Iron Maiden beer is coming. And it came first in May, and apparently uh, last month they uh, produced their one millionth pint just eight weeks after it went on sale. They say that that equates uh, to about 20,000 pints of beer being drunk every single day since the launch. Hugely popular. Good for them. And of course, the name is perfect. Yeah, Trooper Beer. Absolutely. You know, so, but neither we see, and the sad part is neither you or I drink beer. I'm convinced that nobody likes beer. <laughs> you become accustomed to it. it. It's not like you give a kid beer and most of, most children will go, oh, that's just awful. Of course it's awful. We all just get used to it because there's only one, one reason why you have beer. And as we know, you don't buy it, you rent it. Yeah, that's true. I'm a, I'm a wine and spirits person and I just, I can't, I've tried, but I'm just, I just can't, I just don't like beer. Sorry. Previous episode, we were talking about uh, the humble milk crate uh, as a means of storing your record collection. You pointed out that as much as a faux pas as that may be, it's even worse to lie them uh, flat on their backs and stack them normally. Milk crates are great. I've got a bunch of them in the basement. Now, I was lucky because I was working in a grocery store at the exact moment we switched over from quarts to liters. So there were all these uh, dairy, uh, these milk crates that were, were useless. They couldn't be used for anything. So I may have liberated one or two. Uh, one or two, according to SF Weekly uh, there in San Francisco. Uh, the cost to the U.S. dairy industry through milk crate theft alone is more than $80 million a year? Yeah, yeah, it, it probably is. People go to the back of the stores where they've got them stacked up waiting for the, the dairy guy to come and take them away. Uh, and, and people help themselves to it. Now, you can go to, to a number of stores, and I'm, even Ikea, I'm sure. Uh, and they sell milk crate-like containers so you don't have to steal them from your grocery store and, and become an actual criminal you can just go and buy them if you go to gotmilkcrates.com they have a website dedicated uh, to the facts and the myths and misuse associated with milk crates themselves yeah i know that's kind of funny but uh hey listen it's 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 theft i mean you're stealing somebody's stuff it's not good. Ooh, they, they've got a get the facts section. Uh, Pennsylvania dairies spend $6 million on replacement crates in 2006. Click here for more crate facts. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> a single milk crate holds 40 cans of soda or beer. Okay. Trooper beer, I'm sure. Uh, myth. There's no harm if I take a milk crate to uh, milk crate for personal use. Fact. You, your neighbors, the environment, and businesses are harmed. To make a new crate to replace the one you bore requires nearly four pounds of plastic resin to be created, molded, and shipped, which produces greenhouse gases. In, effect, in addition, it adds cost to dairy production, which contributes to the price paid for dairy products. Some people are clearly taking their milk crates very seriously. Very seriously, yes. Yes. Video Music Festival. Are you serious? As we all know, the internet exists only for uh, showing off cats. Somebody last year in Minneapolis decided that they were going to take all the cat videos from the internet and show them in a giant festival. 10,000 people showed up. So they decided they were going to do it again, and they got 13,000 people really? um, watching cat videos. Um, look, look at this. Uh, you can see the picture there. Um, uh, outdoors in Minneapolis in the summertime. Um, this 
Have you ever seen a movie called Idiocracy? How many times do we have to talk about Idiocracy? I think this is like the fourth time you've brought this up. I think everybody should watch it because I believe it to be a documentary. Okay. The basic premise being is that stupid people reproduce more so than the smartest people, and therefore you fast forward 500 years, and we're going to be nothing but a nation of idiots. This is exactly it, and it is coming very, very, we're coming very close. Are we done? Is there anything else you want to say about cats? Uh, No, there's nothing I want to say about cats. I'm a dog person, you know that. So why did you bring this up? I brought it up because part of my, just proving again, the internet exists solely for the pleasure of cats. I think I'm leaning more towards being a cat person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think you are a cat person. Love me, love me, leave me alone. Uh, Yes, that's true. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.